Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Karin Kavins and I wish you a warm welcome at 48 Minutes Unplugged. In this podcast we interview leaders who we think are inspiring. We rapid fire questions at them to discover what makes them stand out. Because we believe the world today more than ever needs inspiring leaders. Leaders who are good at what they do, but stand out in the way they do it. Who are able to keep focus in a rapidly changing world and have an impact that reaches further. To truly unplug from busy and tune in into here and now, we invite our guests to do a breathing exercise with us. We intentionally do not disclose the questions in advance because we would like to get intuitive and heartfelt answers. We want you to really get to know the person behind the title. The questions have no logical order and that at times might feel a bit uneasy. After 48 minutes exactly, you will hear a tone, which means the interview will come to an end, no matter how exciting the content is at that moment. All our episodes can be accessed via Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And do check out our website www.48hoursunplugged.com to stay up to date of our upcoming leadership retreats and other activities. On this very hot summer day, I'm very glad to be sitting in front of Pierre Gurdjian, who is actually one of the first people I met that I would qualify as a highly inspiring leader. I know Pierre from my previous job at McKinsey, where at that time he was the managing partner of the Belgium Luxembourg offices. He also held international responsibility for McKinsey's human capital practice in EMEA. And in this capacity, he served his clients on building personal and institutional leadership capabilities. He was regularly involved in counseling CEOs and chairpersons on governance matters and issues of cultural change and effectiveness of top teams. He was an active senior faculty member of several high-profile client leadership forums. Today, he is the president of the board of directors of the Université Libre de Bruxelles, one of Belgium's largest universities. He's the vice chairman of the board of directors at UCB, a listed global biopharma company and leader in immunology and neurology. He's a member of the board of directors at Luest, a family-owned company and world leader in limestone and dolomite production. And he is a member of the board of governors of the United World College in Diljan in Armenia. Pierre is also philanthropy and strategy partner of the ID Foundation, a global philanthropic organization that seeks to establish innovative and transformative ways to change the world through territory development, innovation in education and promotion of humanitarian values. Pierre has a passion for human capital development and co-created the Roots and Wings platform that helps equip talented individuals who are on a journey to making the world better. He's also often invited to speak about leadership building with a focus on wisdom, purpose and legacy. He's a member of the Young Presidents Organization, YPO, and past president of Youth Start Belgium and the Harvard Club of Belgium. He teaches a graduate course on the CEO perspective at the Solvay Business School. Pierre holds a degree in commercial engineering from the Free University of Brussels and an MBA from Harvard Business School. 
I personally appreciate Briek's eloquence and his unparalleled presence during any interaction I had with him. He embodies so much wisdom that he would be one of the people I hope would start writing books one day. <laughs> and I think there are a few people in a better position to talk about leadership. His time is scarce, therefore I'm very grateful to have him here in the podcast today. Welcome, Pierre. Thank you, Caroline. I know uh, you as someone who likes to be very prepared, uh, so I was wondering, is this out of your comfort zone to do an interview without having any idea what I'm going to ask? Yes, it is out of my comfort zone. However, I do roughly know what you will probably want to talk about. Okay. So I'm okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, so now uh, we're in Brussels, in, in your office, uh, in Belgium, and we are finally uh, approaching the tail of the COVID pandemic, at least the first wave. Um, how have you personally uh, experienced this exceptional period in history? As a very challenging and very intense period. Very intense because I have had to deal with so many different challenges and uncertainties on such a wide spectrum of things that it, it was just uh, mentally, actually very mentally uh, challenging and, and how do you say that? Um, it felt like a burden more than mm -hmm. something that would give energy. I'm actually really reasonably happy about how things are turning, but I thought that was, uh, uh, it was very challenging. So I'm not looking back at this as a period of great uh, sense of accomplishment. Intense because the, suddenly the frame that was use, we were used to have around many things disappeared. Mm -hmm. And I, so I say this is intense. So I'm not saying this is necessarily bad because I think yeah. it's very stimulating. On the other hand, it's also very confusing. Yeah. And so the middle point between these two things, I say intense because it forced mm -hmm. me to be extremely um, aware and mentally agile to be able to even think about all of these dimensions at the same time dealing with yeah. countless daily things that were happening. Mm -hmm. um, so have you foreseen any uh, time to recharge yourself after this time? Not enough. Mm -hmm. I, I could say I have planned for it, but I know myself. There's yeah. just so many things ongoing. So, um, uh, surprisingly enough, I, I don't find it easy to find uh, time for me. Okay, you could do a retreat. Uh. <laughs> I should go on a retreat, yes. Yeah. Um, already in the introduction, um, I, I said you once did a, a leadership development program called Leadership and Wisdom, if I'm Correct. not mistaken. Uh, I love the combination of both. Mm -hmm. um, what does wisdom mean to you and how does it uh, relate to leadership? Mm. Well, we could talk hours about <laughs> it. Um, probably a very simple way to look at this is the following. Um, we are in a society where many people are in leadership positions. I think that's probably one of the characteristics of our epoch if you of our period if you compare yeah. it to others uh, there's a there's a lot of distributed leadership yeah. a lot of people are in positions where they 
can exercise leadership, mm -hmm. which is absolutely wonderful. Yeah. At the same time, when you look at how people are prepared for that leadership, uh, I find that is profoundly lacking. Yeah. Because we are not... Uh, I was going to use the word trained, but that's not the right word, but we're not adequately prepared for it. And what strikes me is that in our Western civilization, we're extremely sophisticated in terms of, um, and now I'm talking about business, uh, the more rational, uh, analytic uh, thinking around business. Mm -hmm. yeah. While we also, like in Eastern tradition, we have 3,000 years, or at least 2,500 years, of uh, preeminent distinctive thoughts about uh, meaning, about uh, uh, the profound end of, of, of things, mm -hmm. call it philosophy. Um, and so that disconnect is something that I have difficulty in understanding, how we got there. Mm -hmm. Because there's an, such a, a deep, fascinating tradition of thinking about wisdom or philosophy yeah. or spirituality that we kind of have forgotten, as if it would not exist. Yeah. And so when you become a leader or when you are in a position where you, you, you can exercise leadership, one should have the, 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 the reflex of reaching out to that. Yeah. And it almost does not exist. Mm -hmm. So I was very struck by that. And as I am a kind of a kitchen philosopher, I mean, I'm really interested in philosophy, but I, I don't go very far in terms of the, let's say, the, the conceptual yeah. part of it. Uh, I thought, why don't we bring leaders together and expose them to some of the philosophical traditions and see what comes out of there? Oh, wow. So there was a yeah. bit of an experiment wild experiment of saying let's try yeah <laughs> and it actually worked out very uh, very well and so on a more uh, let's say on a more profound level i think this is because underlying philosophy even western philosophy behind each philosophical uh, system there is a underlying um, attitude mm -hmm. mindset a way of living, yeah. a tradition that is not just rational thought, but is about a way of being in the world. Yeah. And so each tradition can be brought back to a number of uh, postures, life postures. Yeah. And so that's incredibly inspiring because if you are a leader and you suddenly hear about this particular tradition helps you think about reality in this way, mm -hmm. not intellectually, but about, you know, how how you are, how your feelings are, how you, how your energy is, yeah. uh, that's incredibly enriching. And, and I must say, it's my humble experience with this thing, it really works. Yeah, nice. I, I have never thought about uh, mm. the combination of two. And so, so I understand you like to indulge in uh, philosophy. Do you have a, a favorite philosopher? Um, yes, or, of or, course. Or a group? Yes, so... And, but again, I'm a kitchen philosopher, yeah, yeah. so uh, it's <laughs> not as if I'm now going to give you the fruit of uh, 50 years of yeah. deep thinking and I can tell you, yeah. it's, it's more like almost intuitive affinity, yeah. it's yeah. affinity based, so just to manage your expectations about the value of what I'm going to say. So um, at a very, relatively early, I was uh, very much 
uh, attracted to uh, Stoicism, mm -hmm. so let's say around the, 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 the tradition from antiquity around around those philosophers, so it's Seneca and, mm -hmm. and, and, and all of the Stoicians. One of the great books, although it's not a book, but it comes under the form of a book that profoundly impressed me are the meditations from uh, Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. So Marcus Aurelius is a bit of a role model for me, yeah. although he probably was an impossible man yeah. and a very brutal emperor. But the notion of having somebody in, in, a pow in power with great impact on his time and also able to take distance from that and to think through profoundly about yeah. the nature of being is, is absolutely mm -hmm. uh, fascinating. Um, then, for some reason, probably just coincidences, I am very impressed by uh, Augustine, so St. Augustine, so 5th mm -hmm. uh, century, because of his ability uh, to merge or to weave into each other the uh, Jewish tradition with Greek uh, intellectual heritage yeah. and, and that reframing of uh, the Christian faith mm -hmm. is, is as, a, as an intellectual masterpiece but like Marcus Aurelius uh, Augustine wrote what is called Confessions yeah. which is a very unusual narrative in mm -hmm. those days because he speaks about himself so it's for a non-specialist like I am yeah. it's very easy to read and he has these passages where he talks about essentially his his mindsets or his attitudes to a number of things that are profoundly touching. Yeah. Uh, so it's the combination of this personal story of a man that lived in the fifth century, and mm -hmm. you know he started out as a, a quite a, a party animal, and then he finishes <laughs> yeah. as a saint. So yeah. it's also this uh, story about. Uh, then Spinoza. Mm -hmm. So I told you I'm very eclectic. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but uh, Spinoza for his uh, ability to think about uh, God in a in 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 a in a very um, how would say non-religious way. Yeah. I find impressive. Um, Ignatius I find interesting for his almost um, powerful way of. A using spiritual principles to change the world. Yeah. Uh, and that's also uh, extremely uh, impressive. Relevant. Yeah, relevant and impressive. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, I'm really very eclectic here. Huh? Mm -hmm. yeah. And then uh, Henri Bergson. I don't know. Early 20th century, mm -hmm. prominent uh, French uh, philosopher. About, again, his ability to... He's around vitalism, so it's, he's around the kind of vital force that exists. But he also has masterful descriptions of how the mind works, mm -hmm. which is also... So I guess, now that you ask me this question, if I step back, a lot of the common uh, points between these figures... Yeah, I was also reflecting yeah, about what... Which the... is just an insight that occurs to me now, yeah. so thank you for giving me the, this, this uh, uh, trigger, is... Um, deep intellectual thinking coupled with uh, inner life postures. So yeah. not only a mental view on the world, but kind of a holistic yeah. being in the world type of uh, approach. Uh, mm -hmm. So yeah, that's an interesting insight. Okay. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, so Pierre, you have been advising many leaders. Um, 
what do you think or in your observation what what blocks people from being a, a good leader well many things but there's one that uh, okay. resonates uh, profoundly with me and that's uh, authenticity mm -hmm. um, what what are the effects you think when when people are are not authentic uh, when they are not authentic well actually uh, if uh, I yeah, may frame it in yeah. terms of what what authenticity gives authenticity gives uh, integrity so the notion of being coherent coherence mm -hmm. between what you say what you do it uh, brings courage of saying what needs to be said because mm -hmm. it's based on a, 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 a encompassing conviction of, mm -hmm. uh, of things. Authenticity uh, yields or is contaminating uh, other people with a notion of vulnerability. It's mm -hmm. difficult to be authentic if you're not vulnerable. Yeah. But because you're authentic, you're okay to be vulnerable yeah. because it doesn't threaten you. Mm -hmm. And that opens up a space with uh, other people. In authenticity, at least in, in my own uh, experience, um, creates space for meaning that transcends uh, material things. It, 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 it creates a space where people and therefore organizations can reach for things that are bigger than them mm -hmm. and bigger than just a strict business mm -hmm. uh, context in which, in which they are. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a lot of uh, things that go with this notion of uh, authenticity. Mm -hmm. Authenticity also goes, I think, with a notion of uh, humility and learning. You cannot be authentic in saying, I, I now know everything. No. At least I haven't found many people who I believe are authentic and, and no. have answers to everything. They have questions. And that's, yeah. uh, so that, that is, to me, what uh, I find very important. And I'm not claiming that this is the ultimate answer to leadership. Uh, leadership no. is such a, a broad concept. And you, cannot, you can never exhaust that concept. Uh, I just believe authenticity is a, is a wonderful way into, or a wonderful lens, mm -hmm. a rich lens, it's a generative lens on, on that. And do you yourself find it easy to be authentic or, or have you grown into that? Yes, it's a, it's a constant struggle. Yeah. It's something that uh, we never, or at least I, if I try to be more personal, I will never be perfect, or I will never be at a level that I would love to be. Mm -hmm. Because it's one of those never-ending discovery journeys yeah. where the more you know, the less you know. Yeah. And so I think authenticity uh, is a journey. It's not a destination. Um, so if I look at myself back even you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, beyond that I can hardly remember. Um, <laughs> you know, it feels like I was a very naive... <laughs> person yeah. or a very constrained person and I hope that in 10 years from now if, if I'm still there yeah. I will be able to think about uh, the conversation we have today and say well that was interesting but how how little advanced I was in those days yeah. <laughs> ever growing yes um, I like uh, discussing the, the concept of, of time and, and how it influences people's lives and, and behavior Uh, so my question to you is, what, what is your relationship with time? Hmm. Very good question, Kaline. I've been thinking a lot about that. 
and what is time and what is the nature of time and what does it uh, what does it represent so the way i am now thinking about time is correlated with um, the intensity of presence so to me there is valuable time and wasted time Mm -hmm. and unfortunately in my life i find that there's too high a proportion of wasted time okay so moments or energy because it's not linked to a clock or or a physical concept of time Mm -hmm. Uh, it's an elastic concept it feels energy and i think to a certain i mean we do all have a, a finite level of energy that we have in yeah. ourselves and we can we can enrich it and we make it better but unfortunately we are limited yeah. and so the way you use this energy can either be fully present with a high level of intensity or not mm-hmm. and so that's the equation of time and the more you can be present the more time in a way stretches itself because even one minute of highly intense presence yeah. is worth a week mm-hmm. so in a way it's a magical way of adding mm-hmm. uh, lifespan yeah. is to be more presence so being present being awake being fully but it's it's a tough challenge yeah and how do you challenge yourself then to um, spend more valuable time So I try, as you might remember from our previous conversations, the notion of personal mastery is, is an important one for me. So what I mean by that is um, it's like a, it's a never-ending exercise of uh, sculpt, sculpting, sculpture, mm-hmm. of chipping away at my character, let's call it character, although it's not the yeah. right word, but personality, character. You know, I'm, I'm continuously trying to chip off things that don't uh, don't belong, um, and so that that's a, that's a rigorous exercise. Yeah, I can imagine. So I, I believe very much in this notion of personal discipline and always try to to improve and to to do things, and um, that's how I, I try then through that to maximize the time that is well invested versus the yeah. other. But it's. It's, it's a very ungrateful... Are you good at saying no? <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> I cannot say no. <laughs> no, I, I, am, uh, I, I have a, a great difficulty at saying no to things that are worthwhile and that are inspiring and that are exciting. So it's a, is it a drawback? Yes because the danger is fragmentation, mm-hmm. dilution, which goes against the notion of presence. Yeah. That's a danger. On the other hand, if I look back at my life, all the things that I've been able, that I've had the privilege of being able to do, came out of these kind of non-planned yeah. opportunities where people said, oh, I'm thinking about you for this or this. And I think rationally, every time I probably should have said no because I was already doing too much. But after the fact, it has led me to great places. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of agree with that because okay. um, I think it's good to learn to say no to things that don't bring value because that 
would for me also be a, yes. <laughs> a struggle. But I think saying yes to things that intuitively uh, make your heart beat faster, yes. it's, I think it brings a lot of uh, rich experiences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, linked to that, um, the concept of time, uh, what would you be doing if you had one year to live? If today you know that it's your last year, would you? Yeah, I, I know that question. <laughs> um, it's very difficult, honestly, to, to answer that question unless you live it. Mm -hmm. because and this is not a way to not answer your question by the way but um, I've I've tried to ask myself that question yeah. and every time I find it a bit artificial mm -hmm. because I don't have fortunately yeah. or at least one never knows huh? yeah. <laughs> one never knows but I don't have this kind of uh, shock moment of awakening moment of this is now very real Yeah. And therefore, I'm prepared to change a lot of things. Yeah. So I can answer you, but it might be a bit too yeah. mental, too rational. Mm -hmm. So the real answer is I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's probably a good answer. Yeah, it's also a way of not addressing it. <laughs> Another way of thinking about this, but it's a bit of a play of words, but I, I do believe in it, is uh, you know, you know, you, you should, we should be prepared anytime because you, you don't know mm -hmm. yes. yeah. it yeah. can happen tomorrow it can happen in 10 years it can happen in 20 years so if you don't make peace to with yourself at any moment then you're not prepared that is not to say that I feel prepared yeah <laughs> it's not to say that <laughs> don't hope for some more time no I, I wish you had a, yeah, like a lot more valuable time if we can negotiate that <laughs> It's true, you don't know. So um, you've been advising many CEOs. What do you think is, is the role or an important role uh, of the CEO in a company? Yes. So what comes to my mind is uh, uh, creating space yeah. that would not exist otherwise. Space mm -hmm. for uh, on the business side to explore mm -hmm. new things or things that are not that are not present at, at some point, so that's more, that's more around strategy, space in the organization for people to grow mm -hmm. and to contribute themselves, space for personal growth and space mm -hmm. for meaning. Mm -hmm. Personal meaning, collective meaning, collective meaning mm -hmm. in teams and for an organization as well as a, as a collective body. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, okay. Uh, Pierre, what is the biggest misconception about you? That I am uh, very calm and serene and wise. Mm -hmm. That you are stoic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, is that because you, you master the art of being calm, but maybe internally you, you don't always feel like that? Yes, because intrinsically... Um, Uh, actually, when I was a child, I was a, a hypersensitive child. Mm, yeah. You know, I was perceiving things perhaps in a more intense way. Mm -hmm, yeah. And um, I discovered that by uh, to 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 grow and to 
I had to start learning to master that. Mm-hmm. Nothing dramatic, by the way. I'm a very happy child. Yeah. Uh, but I think that created this notion of uh, being able to deal with these inner energies. Yeah. Sometimes uh, positive, sometimes negative, and to be able to uh, contain them, to frame them. Um, and that's how I learned to have a very composed and calm and controlled um, way of behaving in appearing. Okay, cool. W- which in fact masks a much uh, more chaotic uh, mm-hmm. inner reality, I'm afraid. On that perspective, you would. Uh resemble to uh, Roger Federer who uh, yeah, is that right? yeah people I, he has a very composed uh, attitude on the on the tennis field but um, he said that especially in his younger years he for mm. him it was very difficult to control his stress and his emotions and and now he still he still finds it difficult but but he's keeping a composed uh, oh, interesting. So, I didn't know. yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. so it's it, kind of pays off, I think, to, yeah. to be uh, composed. Um, you, you talked about you as a child. What, what, what is your best childhood memory? Oh, that's, yeah, it's, it's one of those simple questions which is not easy to answer. Mm-hmm. Probably just reading, I think. Mm-hmm. I've always read a lot. And by reading, discovering a lot of things. So. Yeah. That's probably what I would associate. Yeah, and as a child you have time. And you have time, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, okay. Um, you have been advising a lot of people, um, but what, have, what has been one of the advices you ever got that, that you think is worth sharing? Advice that I have received and is worth hearing. I have to dig into my memory. Um, so I, I cannot bring it back to one day, one person telling telling me this. Mm-hmm. But the, this, the the encouragement and the discovery of listening. Mm is probably one of the most significant one in in my development. Yeah. Uh, discovering the value and the importance and the art and the technique of listening. Yeah. And the what does it bring you? Everything. Mm. Uh, it uh, brings um, opening of minds It sparks curiosity, creates relationships, it creates a channel for uh, influence in in the positive sense. Um, It um, helps uh, remaining humble. Mm -hmm. So it's it's almost magical uh, mindset or a technique. Yeah, I fully agree. And I would add it to the list of things that blocks people from uh, being a good leader. You are right. Yeah. You're very right. Mm. In the introduction, we said something about Armenia. What's your link with Armenia? 
So my link with Armenia is both uh, strong and very weak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I am of part Armenian uh, descent. My, my father was from Armenian parents, but even my grandparents uh, arrived in Belgium in 1920. So it's a long, yeah, a long, a long, long journey. And even then, although they were Armenian, they were very cosmopolitan and mm-hmm. extremely international people. So the, the, I have no direct um, connection with Armenian culture. I don't speak the language. I was not raised in that culture. I had no contacts with other people like this yeah. when I was young, etc. So from that respect, my direct Armenian roots are very tenuous. Yeah. Um, but in my philanthropic work, I'm very much involved in mm. philanthropic work in Armenia, uh-huh. which is kind of a, a place where I'm contributing to things to make the world better there. And it, of course, makes a bit of sense to do this in a place where I yeah. have some connection. So to express it in, um, in a different way, I don't have Armenian roots, but what I do today is I am creating Mm-hmm. Roots, <laughs> nice. Which is a very different, uh, different thing. Yeah. Um, you already said you you have been reading a lot as a child, um, and you I assume you're still reading. Do you have a favorite book? Oh. <laughs> That's probably the worst question. Yes. You could ask to a bookworm. Yes. <laughs> What can I say? Well, of course, I, I'm very influenced by this book on precisely leadership and wisdom that has been written by this Australian guy, yeah. um, whom um, I'm, I'm very close to, uh, Mark Strong. And he's written beautifully about that. And in a way, I mean, it's not a literary piece of work, but what he has written there is so profoundly mm-hmm. important and so much resonates with all of my growth as a human per- as a human being and all the things I believe and do in leadership etc that yeah. that is probably one that really really stands out mm-hmm. well, what have been um, the most challenging period or event or thing happening in your life So I'm blessed with a very happy life. Mm-hmm. So um, and I hope this is going to stay like that. Yeah. Uh, so I never had the traumatic events. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither myself nor my direct family, and, and, and so it's, it's a great privilege to be able to have had all of those chances to to be able. So if 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 I look at the moments where I found which I found most uh, challenging. Uh, they probably have to do with one or two episodes of uh, professional setbacks, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, which were very difficult to live through, and that are, and that I'm extremely happy I have lived through, mm-hmm. because they have forced me to rethink about myself, what I found success to be or not to be, to deal with disappointment, to become yeah. more humble, to recreate yeah. meaning, to explore new opportunities. And each time I have found that I have come out stronger. Okay. Um, 
And so I am trying to learn that uh, failure mm -hmm. is a gift. Would, would that be one of your biggest fears, failure? Or, or? No. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not good. Um, I think my biggest fears would be around not existing. Okay. What I mean by that is existing is presence, doing things. So it's not existing or absence of any meaning, chaos, uh, yeah. empty, vacuum, yeah. the absence of. I get it. That's, that's very scary. Yeah. Very scary. Mm -hmm. um, your partner at, at, at this foundation in uh, Armenia uh, so you're involved in philanthropy to me to my understanding philanthropy it's, it's mostly linked to uh, and I could be wrong wealthy individuals who decide that you want to use their wealth for a better, creating a better world Do you see a role for corporations in this field, or? or oh yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Mm. So say, there would be an interesting conversation in itself for a few hours about yeah. what is philanthropy, etc. Yeah. So the the kind of philanthropy that uh, I'm, I'm contributing to, and I'm, I'm there again, I have the privilege of working with extraordinary people, mm -hmm. visionaries, is uh, around finding new ways to address complex problems in the world mm -hmm. um, and to, to, to try to simplify it to one core principle is to say complex problems require holistic or integrative solutions mm -hmm. so you cannot solve a complex problem by a simple answer okay yeah. But that's the in, in a way it's common sense yeah. but it goes against a lot of the reflexes Mm -hmm. that exist in the world where you know people say ah there's this problem you need to do this you need to do this yeah. so everything we do has to do with this notion of finding holistic solutions to complex societal problems yeah. and, and, and that is fascinating and there there is a role for private philanthropy there is a role for business there is a role for NGOs there is a role for governments etc and, and it's about mobilizing, aligning very different parties around a set of meaningful levers uh, to address problems. Yeah. That, that's the kind of underlying mm -hmm. theory of change. Okay, that, that's cool. Um, you supported also probably many people in, in making decisions. How do you make decisions? I don't. Oh. <laughs> I follow what I am drawn to. Mm -hmm. um, so making decisions is also a very interesting concept that I've uh, engaged with in terms yeah. of understanding what it is. And I believe the, the, the traditional frame on this to say that a decision is a moment in time where you make rational or at least an informed commitment with a set of options that you have and you think it through for a whole period of time mm -hmm. and then you come to the moment and you commit and you actually go one way and not the other way. Yeah. 
it's not completely untrue, but I find it utterly unhelpful. Mm -hmm. This is not how I make decisions. I'm not talking about business decisions. This is not how I lead my life. And every time I have observed people or had the chance to engage with people who were looking for some form of uh, dialogue around decision-making, the decision was already clear. It was about just uh, making them helping people become comfortable with what they already knew. Yeah. Do you feel there's too little... I, I, I understand it's a bit about intuitive decision-making. Do you feel there's... it's used too little in even in business environments? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So... So, this is interesting, the word you use, eh? intuition. Um... So let, let me try to uh, use two other words mm-hmm. that build on the same idea, but at least in my mind, try to expand this yeah. notion. So intuition is one, which is kind of the immediate reaction of, yes, I, I feel the gut feeling, this is yeah. what I should do. I think it's already very powerful. Yeah. Then I would probably define something that is encompassing that, but a bit broader, which is judgment. Mm-hmm. So, judgment is intuition um, refined, stress-tested, challenged, framed, compared, etc. So, it's not rational in terms Mm -hmm. of... uh, It's not like there are five criteria, let's do a weighted average on the score. This is not that. But judgment is more like an ability to step back and to almost digest... Uh, channel intuition and to yeah. to put it in. and then there's a third concept uh, we used the word a few minutes ago discernment mm-hmm. so discernment is judgment in the face of uh, legacy mm-hmm. okay and, and so it's a different in a way a different way of approaching the same thing so intuition is very simple I feel it Judgment is, okay, I feel this, I now take a bit of distance and I, 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 I mm-hmm. expand. Discernment is putting this in terms of how will this stand in terms of my own legacy. In other words, when I will come to the end and I will look back, will I indeed be um, happy that this was the right thing to do? Yeah. Regardless of working out or not working out. Yeah. So that, that's... And I think those dimensions of intuition, judgment, discernment are richer, way, richer ways of thinking about decision-making, yes. personal decision-making. Mm-hmm. So you probably uh, could feel my next question coming. <laughs> um, how would you like to be reminded when you um, step out of this world? So if, I, if it would be easy for me to answer, I would be profoundly unwise. Okay. <laughs> so um, let me answer in the following way, which is actually, I tend to be somebody who conceptualizes a lot. Mm-hmm. But here I am not going to conceptualize. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm thinking, I hope that there will be as many as possible individuals in the world that through whatever way I will have 
influenced a little bit yeah. in the right way. Mm-hmm. And I've been struck many times by people that I maybe only met once or twice and even had very uh, small interactions with who um, uh, after that, many years of that, said, well, you, you said that to me that day that changed this. And I had no clue. That I, yeah. I forgot that I had said that. These are, these are really worthwhile, meaningful moments. And I hope that there are many of those moments. Yeah. Or that there will be many of those moments. Yeah. So that you, on your way, have maybe influenced people to yes. go more into the direction yes. of their legacy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. This kind of small nudging because I, yeah. I'm not a guru, so I'm not uh, uh, hoping that people will suddenly yeah. get an illumination that yeah. uh, changes their life. Good. Uh, it's probably good that I'm not like that. It could be yeah. dangerous. But just a small nudges, and that's, that's fine. I mean, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. Um, what makes you happy? I'm going to give a very it's a big question it's a big question but yeah, yeah. I'm going to give you a surprising answer to that because it's a highly this is a highly um, mental and sophisticated answer it's about awareness and understanding it's about conscience mm-hmm. so what makes me profoundly happy is when I'm able to comprehend a complex reality not understand, comprehend, mm-hmm. and, and, and perceiving the depth of things mm-hmm. and the relationship of things and attach meaning to that. The, in a way, it's a bit of a, like a, a mental aha moment. Yeah. Those are moments of, uh, of, of happiness. Now, it's not happiness in terms of uh, joy. Joy is maybe a different thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I interpret your question about happiness in a relatively philosophical, existential, yeah. in an existential question, as an existential uh, frame of that. Mm-hmm. What brings you joy? Being deeply engaged on meaningful things with people I respect and I like. Mm-hmm. Interactions. Interactions. Yeah. And then there's a, a sense of uh, energy that is positive energy that is joyful. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, at ULB, you're involved in education, maybe also in courses students get to prepare for the job market or for life more generally. What are you, according to you, I'm not sure what what would be the right word, but skills uh, young people today um, should or could master in order to be better prepared for the future. Yes. So this is, this is a very practical question to me because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm teaching a course ah, okay. at a business school yeah. in the last year yeah. that uh, helps them do that. Okay. And. Um, It's a very simple thing. I'm helping them discover the lead self part of uh-huh. leadership. Yeah. So essentially I tell them, you know, there's I draw three concentric circles. The outer circle is lead business, 
the middle one is lead others and there's a core that is lead self. Mm -hmm. and I tell them you probably have never had any course on this. This yep. is what we are going to do and, and, and we work, I have them work on, on, on that. Yeah, it's uh, very cool to hear because I always felt that that's the course, the one course which was missing uh, at yeah. any uh, curriculum. Yes. Um, okay, and then I see the alarm uh, went off, so we're approaching the 48 minutes. Um, so the last question, if you would have the magical power to our possibility to change one thing overnight on a global scale, <laughs> <laughs> what would it be? More wise leaders, more Mandela's, more Obama's, more Gandhi's. Yeah. There's so few of them today. Yeah. I think uh, then we we are on the same page on that. And um, I would like to thank you a lot, Pierre, for, uh, for your time, uh, for your little nudges of wisdom. Uh, I'm not going to call you a guru. Please no. <laughs> Although Please your, your family name doesn't yes, help with that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, I wish you all the best in um, making the world a better place. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you for your great questions. Very insightful. Thank you all for listening and see you next time. But before you head off, if you haven't heard our previous episodes yet, then I strongly recommend you to check them out. You can find them on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. Also, do check out our website www.48hoursunplugged.com and stay up to date on all our upcoming leadership retreats and other activities. Together, let's bring more inspiring leaders into this world. Have a lovely day.